When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Uh, I don't think we are presented by anybody right now. We're presented by us, Megan, you and me. Uh, Jesse Montano, Megan Angley, uh, at the rink crew, doing a regular weekly pod. At the rink, at the bar. At the bar, yeah. Yeah, at the rink, at the bar. It felt uh, sad to say it that way. I, I know. I know, uh, especially because there are still, people, still uh, plenty of people that are at the rink. Uh just not here in Denver. Yeah, we're into the offseason. We're into the summer. We're going to be doing some new combinations, trying some different shows out. So uh, every Wednesday, you can expect to find me and Megan right here bringing you guys uh, the live show. So it should be fun. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if we'll, how deep into the summer we'll keep the actual At The Rink series going, uh, just as events at the actual rink and, yeah. and access stuff kind of uh, dies off into June and July. Uh, but you and I will, like I said, we'll still be getting together here every Wednesday, uh, for some fun conversation. We got a lot to get into. Uh, this has been a news heavy week, Megan, around the NHL. Uh, you have, we have, you know, draft lottery, uh, and kind of, I don't necessarily want to say the fallout, but I, I wasn't planning on talking about it today, but after watching kind of the way that the responses have rolled in, in the last, whatever it's been now, 36 hours, I do want to just park a couple minutes for it later on in the show just to kind of get your feel for it. It seems like it goes beyond, you know, sour grapes, fan bases being upset that, you know, a, a, a big market got a marquee player. There's some other layers to this that really, like I said, I, I haven't found many people in, in folks that I've talked with um, around the league that, that feel very good about it. And then even if you go out and just start consuming any of the media that's out there, there is not a lot of good feelings uh, about the way the draft lottery went. We've got our first potential elimination game tonight. Uh, this was a topic that you and I wanted to get to on Monday, and we ran out of time, so I'm excited that we're going to be able to talk about it uh, tonight. Playoffs are rolling on. Uh, Seattle continues to look good. They're even in their series with Dallas. But before we get to all of that... Um, the biggest news of the week, really, I think, around the league, uh, <laughs> depending on what happens tonight in Florida, uh, I, I think will be Gabe Landeskog. I do think this is kind of the news of the week. Uh, <clears throat> Gabe Landeskog does, uh, he and the team announced yesterday, uh, two days ago? Yesterday. Was it yesterday? It was. It, yeah, it was yesterday. Yes, good call. Ugh, see, I, this is the one thing I am anxious about the offseason, to get my days of the week <laughs> back. Um he is done for the entire 2023-2024 season. Uh, Megan, we got about 20 minutes with Gabe Landeskog. Then right after that, about 20 minutes uh, with Chris McFarlane. Uh, a lot to unpack. They spoke for combined almost about 45 minutes. So uh, a lot to get into. So this is where we're going to start. Uh, let's start with the Gabe Landeskog stuff. I mentioned it on a show last week that I was heading into the, the summer I said, I think you need to kind of operate as if you're not going to have him for all of next year. Now that we know it's reality, just kind of your initial knee jerk to, to the news before we get into what he actually said. I think 
it was not a surprise though i wasn't yeah. aware of the options that were available to him this is one that he was made aware of in september he was just that was interesting yeah trying to exhaust one final option that could mean a return to play instead of missing an entire mm -hmm. year guaranteed now obviously this is a difficult decision because now it has meant he's going to miss two total seasons yeah, but yeah. That wasn't something that he was anticipating. And I get it. It sounds like the rehab process for this procedure is pretty grueling. And yeah. so, understandably, if there was one other option to exhaust first, I definitely get it. And my reaction to it is a little bit of relief to have the certainty yeah. now. Yep. And I think this was the mistakes of last season being corrected now and making this decision final, publicly known right now. It, it puts a lot of stress off of people's shoulders, including Gabriel Landeskog, but even just the organization to move forward yeah. with how they approach the offseason with the clarity of not having Landeskog for the regular season. And I think that you kind of asked Chris McFarland about yeah, it to okay. like had this come up as a distraction. It's not a question I'd expect him to ever say, yes, this mm -hmm. ever posed it as a distraction, but... At least that won't be a question now. Yeah. Is this a distraction? Because we have clarity. And and I was going to bring that up if, if you didn't. Because like you said, you'll never get them to admit that. And I don't necessarily think that it was something that like the team was thinking about every day. But I even phrased it to him like, look, you guys didn't know about this injury until, you know, real soon before the season started. And then even then it was like, yeah, late November, December, if it, things really don't go well, you're probably talking like pushing Christmas. I'm like, eh, okay. You have to come out of the gate strong. You'll be without Gabe Landeskog for the first quarter of the season. And then it was, uh, things aren't going well. Tack about two more months onto that. You know, I remember Jared Bednard even kind of told us like, now starts his timeline. You know, now we, we thought we were moving forward. As it turns out, we were kind of standing still. Starting now, kind of go on that same timeline. I'm like, okay, so that puts us close to March. And then as we approached March, it was like, well, we're hoping for the playoffs. Pencil, you know, pencil him in round one, game one. That's what we're doing. But we're going to try to get him back sooner. Then the deadline comes and they were like, hey, you know, he's back on the ice. He's back in Colorado. We're feeling good. And then right before the playoffs just falls flat. And I just can't help but think that like constantly having light at the end of the tunnel that just keeps moving further away. Like you said, that. Maybe it wasn't like a hard distraction every day, but there's no way that helped not having to deal with that next year one way or the other. You know what you've got, and that has to help. Definitely, especially with a big offseason and draft coming up. I think it's going to shape how they approach the free agency market, yeah. how they're going to approach whether they keep this first-round pick or not. Yep. I, I think it's going to affect a couple things. What they can do internally as well. Absolutely. Um, I want to circle back to what you said about uh, Gabe Landeskog bringing up that this was an option made available to him back in September because I'm sure a lot of people heard that and are like, why wouldn't you have just done that then? To your point, it was the same rehab process then as it is now. And what Gabe Landeskog, what I truly believe was trying to do was he was being told, hey, there's other options that you know we can try that don't mean you guaranteed miss a full season. Right. And I think he was. I think he was trying to get back this year. I don't think he wanted to ever, I don't think his goal was ever to set out a full season, let alone two. Um, so that, that, that was definitely something that, that stuck out to me uh, when he was talking. You mentioned this is a pretty grueling rehab process. Uh, 
just putting it bluntly, Megan, I, I think there's asterisks to a lot of this that so we can get into it, but uh, not a great track record with top tier athletes having this type of procedure done and then being able to come back. Uh, you know, there's Mark Mathot. Uh, I believe he went on Altitude Sports Radio yesterday as well. Uh, you know, he Gabe Landeskog mentioned he's speaking with Lonzo Ball. How much of that stuff gives you concern and how much that is just you saying like, yeah, that's kind of the case with every surgery though. There's good and bad. I, I think that's, it's a kind of a neutral territory. I don't have blind optimism surrounding this procedure, but it's not inherently negative either because based on how it's been described, how Landeskog described it, it's just not a procedure a lot of athletes yeah. get. Yep. So we don't have a big body of work to evaluate. It's a great from. point. And so I am 50-50. You know, it's, it also feels like what are the other options? He right, right. can't continue on as he is. He's not getting the progress that he needs. It's... A difficult room to be in but it really is the only path forward and there's hope especially like the hope that he has for himself is good it'll be interesting to see like what becomes of Lonzo Ball who's on yeah. ahead of schedule like in terms of we could sort of look to that as a key I, I haven't really dug into beyond Mark Mathot other athletes who've yeah. had this procedure to have a really informed opinion on how it will go for Landeskog. I feel like I'm fortune telling at that point. <laughs> right. And I know the Lonzo ball stuff. It's not that it's gone bad. It's just, it's been grueling. It's, it's already these first couple of months have been a pretty grueling rehab process for him. Um, you know, he's missed a lot of time and the, the part about this that I think is difficult is what you just said there. He couldn't go on like anymore. Like the knee wasn't getting any better. Mark Mathot, he was a few years older. He was almost 34 when he had the surgery. Sounds like he was in a different part of the knee. And, and I had my hand raised in the Zoom to ask this question, but we ran out of time on Gabe Landeskog. And, and I went back through to his April presser. One thing that I believe, and again, I wish I could have gotten uh, Gabe, you know, to, to officially answer this kind of on the record yesterday. I, Mark Mathot talked on the radio yesterday. He talked on Twitter about how he was in a lot of pain constantly, constantly getting out of bed, walking down the stairs, uh, you know, bending down to pick something up that his knee was constantly hurting. And that was what led to him getting this surgery. I don't think that's the case for Gabe Landeskog. Based on what he's told us, I, I don't think he's, walking around in pain. And in fact, I think that's one of the reasons why, again, if I'm remembering his quote correctly from the April presser, that's one of the reasons why it's so frustrating for him because he feels really good in a lot of instances. He's like, you guys can see me walking around normal. I'm not limping. I'm not in pain. I'm not this. I'm not that. But when I get on the ice, it just doesn't react the way I want it to. So again, if that's the case, I don't know if that makes you feel any better. I don't know. You know, I, I just don't know. Like you said, there's just not a lot of this to go on. Pat Graham from the Associated Press was asking about it yesterday, and he he pressed Gabe on it a couple times, and, and Gabe kind of danced around. But like, is this kind of like the Eichel? Nobody's ever done it. We're going to see if you can become the first. Is that kind of your takeaway from it? A little bit. And I found it interesting, too, that the other half of that was, is this considered a radical option? And Landeskog was quick to say that he doesn't feel it's radical, just that it's kind of uncommon mm -hmm. for athletes to elect to have this procedure. And so 
I do feel like it's similar in that sense that he's kind of pioneering what this will look like for other athletes, hockey players specifically. Mm-hmm. What Because the, the question in the chat too is, can he return to close to full form following this? Right. Or are there setbacks because of this procedure? And it's hard to answer that. I don't know if there's really a great example. Even with, with Mark Mathot, I don't think they're the same injury it's, down to yeah. the detail because you're right about what you're saying about Landeskog. He did make mention this all corroborates why there wasn't this layer of deception with how the organization right, right. handled the injury. Everyone, including Landis Gog himself, thought he was coming back this mm-hmm. last season. And that's corroborated in, in him choosing not to get the procedure in September because he really thought there was a chance he'd come back. It's why the timeline kept getting pushed out because day to day, he felt good. He yeah. wasn't in pain. It was just something about the movement of skates. And it wasn't that, until those captain skates. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what is going to be interesting in all of this is specifically how this procedure coincides with hockey, the movement yeah. of hockey. Is it is can someone come back and return to close to full form? And I think that remains to be seen. I don't think we can guess. Yeah. Uh, so here's my un- unfortunate guess. You know, for for, for Gabe Landeskog, what I do think is that. I genuinely do believe he will get back on the ice. I think he'll get back to an NHL level and you might even get a stretch, you know, some stretches out of him of top form Landy that we've seen. I just think his career got cut a lot shorter, you know, this morning. I I, I think that, you know, hoping that he maybe finishes out that deal, you know, six more years, you're pushing 36, 37. I don't know. I think the last couple of years of that may get, you know, uh, a, a little ugly, but um, I, I think he comes back. I think he can get back to that level. I just, I just don't know, especially the way he plays, what kind of hit, what kind of toll it will have on his body being able to hold up long term. Last thing I want to talk about Landis Gog, then we can move on to the Chris McFarland part of this conversation. Um, but it does kind of all revolve around the end of Gabe Landis Gog's career when he was asked at any point in this, has retirement been contemplated at all? And Gabe Landis said, haven't thought about retirement at all were his words. Did that surprise you at all? Or is that kind of what you were expecting him to say? Um, in learning that he knew of this procedure and wanted to exhaust one other option, it's not surprising, but it was necessary. I think for him to confirm that to the public-facing view of things because there's been a lot of questions surrounding that because we don't know that side of things, what the thought process been, has been for Landeskog yep. surrounding the, the outlook for this injury. It's been made to feel really, really bad because he did just miss this entire last season and progress wasn't happening. But I think a lot of this relates to the nature of the injury and the uncertainty surrounding it. It's not that there is; it's impossible for him to ever return. It's just not really known and I think that he's the type of person who needs to exhaust options before he even gets to that and that makes a lot of sense to me and and I I did like that he said that you know he's done more studying in the last month than he's done since high school and um, like you said it's just it's clear to me that this is not something that no decision along the way has been kind of taken like lightly the the question that I was able to get in for him yesterday, I was originally going to ask him, like, what is your confidence level? He'll be back. Before I even got called on in the Zoom, he used the word confident about 15 times. I was like, okay, well, that's maybe kind of a dumb question. But I did just ask him, like, how hard has this all been? How hard has it been to 
you know, make the decision that you're going to sit out the playoffs, then watch that series play out. Now make the decision to sit out a full season. And, and you know, he said that it's been tough, that he's needed a support system. But he mentioned kind of reading between the lines that being back around the team helped. That's a big part of his support system and, and things like that. So I believe him when he says he isn't contemplating retirement. To your point, I think he's just a competitor enough that he's like, it's, it's not going to happen. Like, I'm not going to give into this until I've done every last thing that I can. Um, but we'll see. I, I definitely think people retiring him already on Twitter is ridiculous. I do think that, like, the guy's going for it. Like, he's going for a surgery. It's been five years since Mark Mathot had his surgery. Technology changes, medicine advances. Gabe Landeskog's younger. He's a different athlete. He's got a different body. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens here. But uh, closing it out with kind of the first point that you made of having that clarity now, I do think changes the conversation around this entirely, even though it's really the same result as last year. Um, let's move on. Uh, let's, we'll get into Chris McFarland here, but first, uh, this is the DNVR avalanche podcast brought to you by Breckridge brewery. They are the official beer of DNVR. Uh, make sure you guys are using that Breck beer locator. Uh, we have all of their beer, not all of their beers. We have a ton of their beers here on tap. We constantly have them in the fridge. Do you have a favorite? I, I don't know if I've ever had one. Really? Oh my gosh. Someone's blown it. There's a bucket sitting two feet from her. She's never had one. Uh, no, I, that, it's always the one part that I'm the most bummed about come playoff time that I'm not here in the studio. Uh, cause I always just, I do love, uh, having some breaks while we're watching the game. Uh, mile high city, golden ale, uh, avalanche, amber ale, obviously vanilla Porter jr. Uh, Broncos country pale ale. I'm not a huge beer guy and I'm definitely not a huge IPA guy. I have not found a Breck beer that I don't like yet. Now, I don't know if I've necessarily tried like their entire catalog, but anything, any of the stuff that we have here on tap, uh, any of the stuff that I get in the, at the store, they have like the multi-packs, a variety packs, all that stuff. Uh, I'm all about, that's pretty much all we keep at the house because they're not just like stale tasting light beers. Uh, so uh, make sure you guys are using that Breck Beer Locator, like I mentioned. Uh, go to breckbrew.com. believe they're available now in all 50 United States, not just the continental U.S. anymore. Uh, so use a Breck Beer Locator. You will find some right near you. Uh, and it's great. Official beer of DNVR. Uh, also brought to you guys by Fubo, which I just heard some fun conversations right before uh, the pod got going about just some of the stuff we got going with Fubo. Uh, Fubo. Uh, Use that code right there on your screen. Go sign up, uh, Fubo, uh, FuboTV.com slash DNVR. Uh, it gives you 15% off your first month of Fubo Pro. Look, it's the offseason for the abs. Nuggets are deep into the playoffs here, hoping to close that one out in the next couple nights. But once these seasons get going, I think there's going to be huge, you know, the abs are still right in the middle of a uh, Stanley Cup window. The Nuggets, no matter what happens here the rest of the way, they'll be coming out in a championship window. You want to be able to watch them. Uh, I made the switch a couple years ago to just streaming-based, I guess, cable, if you'd call it that, live TV, uh, and I loved it. I loved it immediately, made the change uh, to Fubo once we kind of started our partnership with them, and seriously, like, th there's no reason to go back. Like, with the way that options and stuff are changing now, there's more options to be available than ever. Um, Fubo is the way to go. They've got ESPN. You can catch all your national games, plus, of course, they've got... 
uh, altitude. You can get nuggets. You can get abs. You can get Rockies. You can get all that stuff uh, right there on Fubo. French Open, PGA, F1, UFC, like what else could you possibly need? And you get up to 1,000 hours of cloud DVR storage included. No contract, no cable, no hassle. Just sign up, start watching. Like I said, use that promo code, uh, or excuse me, use that QR code right there on the screen or go to fubotv.com slash DNVR. Get signed up today. Uh, best decision you'll make cable-wise ever. Uh, Megan, let's get into this now. Chris McFarland did speak after uh, Gabe Landeskog. Like I said, Gabe Landeskog spoke for just north of 20 minutes. Fielded one question in Swedish that went for a few minutes, so give or take. But uh, Chris McFarland did jump uh, on right after that wide-ranging topics that we got into with Chris McFarland. I do want to first say um, this has been an interesting year for Avs Media. Three times Chris McFarland has done a press conference at a time that in the past Avs executives wouldn't talk. We usually would get them uh, at the beginning of the year and then trade deadline. That was it. That was what we got for like established press conference. If you had the odd breaking news here or there, they would do that. Uh, but for the most part, no. And I think we spoke with CMAC five times this year in official capacities uh, before free agency, right after free agency, right before the playoffs. And then he had another moment earlier in the year. Now this somewhat of like a locker clean out. I guess before we dive into the specifics, just kind of your broad takeaways from Chris McFarland, or I guess, did you have any kind of broad takeaways since there were so many topics discussed? Yeah. I mean, I like that you, this broad angle though, encapsulating, this is his first full year as mm -hmm. GM and making himself available to this degree is something that I think we certainly appreciate, but I have to shout out how well, media trained he is too. Yeah, he yeah, he yeah. only shares what he wants you <laughs> yeah. to know. And I still find that valuable pieces of information come from each of these. So I want to make clear that making himself available to us, even though he is very careful with his words and will withhold anything that he wants, he still does give useful insights. It's worth my time to be there. I want to say I did raise my hand in both. Yeah. I just didn't get called. There, there, was, there was a lot of people in in. For, for, for both chats. But there were wide-ranging topics, and so where he could give information, I think he's generous. I thought that, um, you know, when he heard your question, too, there definitely seemed to be recognition of who you are, your outlet, mm -hmm. and an appreciation or a thoughtful answer, even though he's not saying this yeah. season was so, was frustrating. It, I'm just going to interrupt you real fast, because it is so funny that he does that. You and I... Oh, shit, Megan. I think it was the pre-deadline press conference he spoke again for north of 15 minutes. I think it was like 17 and some change. And it ended and we looked at each other and we were like, damn, that was 17. That, that, that took an awful lot of minutes to say nothing. He He's very long-winded, very thoughtful answers. And at the end of it, you go, you didn't answer the question. Damn. And it's all very intentional. But you get some things. Sure. And it's yeah, nothing. I'm mostly just being tongue-in-cheek. Crazy, too, but, yeah. but like... He's pretty generous when it comes to Eagles-related information because at the deadline, I remember that is how I just learned a little more generally about the health of Galchenyuk and Maltsev at that point in time because I did not have a current update, and mm -hmm. that was useful, I felt, um, just in terms of options down the middle and then 
again, hearing him talk about future hopes for NHL players next year, like players that could maybe fill an NHL role, interesting who he makes mention of and bringing up the college prospects of his own volition. Like that's information he's just volunteering. Yeah. And so I, I do feel like you could read between the lines and some of these answers like, okay, that is useful. I, I see kind of where he's, he's thinking about these, these prospects in that way. Totally. It, it's <clears throat> like you said, it's, it's funny because he gives answers. Like one of the first questions I was asked was now with this clarity around Gabe Landeskog, are you guys going to maybe be a little bit more aggressive trades free agent and you know he gave kind of the copy paste answer of well if there's something that we think makes our team better we're going to pursue it but to your point that's kind of the overall message of it but if you listen to what he says kind of read between the lines i really did take that as like yeah we're, we're spending that money like we're not sitting on our hands like we did last year we're spending it but we don't you know we're not going <laughs> to out anybody as far as who we're looking for, what we're looking to do, any potential trade partners, things like that. Um, so I guess let's let's kind of start there. And I did realize while you were talking, we actually do have a nice chunk of the Gabe Landeskog interview uh, or, or availability from yesterday that I think maybe we'll have Tiff drop here in, in the third period, at the maybe at the end or wherever it just kind of fits. Because I do think a lot of this that's important from yesterday and, and we'll have, we have a couple of clips from CMAC as well the context and the tone and the cadence to a lot of this stuff, especially we'll touch a little bit on the Val stuff, because again, this is another instance where he didn't really say anything, but I thought he gave some interesting kind of little tidbits. If you're, if you're listening, kind of reading between the lines. Absolutely. That yeah. was my takeaway as well. So, um, but, but to the point that you made, I think before we jumped on, us purely reading that quote, you know, I put the quote out yesterday on Twitter and you should just read some of the responses. And it's so funny, the wide ranging anywhere from like people being like, man, this sounds like, you know, Val's okay, but you know, he might need some help. Hope he's doing all right too. What a joke. Val abandoned this team. He's clearly involved in something crazy. Like, you know, just wild, wild ranges of the way that people read the quote. So I do think you were right when you said that, that it's important to get the context, but let's start here with that question that we were just talking about of, are they going to spend that money having that clarity on Gabe Landeskog? Um, relieved? As bad of a situation this is, I did sense a little bit of relief from Chris McFarland. Like, here's one thing we have an answer to. Yeah, because I think that's where he took a lot of heat, but it was a bit out of his control in ways yeah. around the deadline, thinking Landeskog would come back because it didn't change how they approached the deadline, I think, because they had not certainly written him yeah. off and so I think that made his options a little bit more limited and now that's not the case I think that that is a bit of a relief to him at the helm of this to make these decisions then um, at least for the regular season because they have big needs to fill and mm -hmm. I, I don't think anybody is skirting around that fact with this group moving forward not just in the absence of Landeskog there are still big holes yeah and and, and you know one of the things I was asked to him kind of as a follow-up to this was you know your internal kind of conversations that you're having to have this year Alex Newhook Bowen Byram uh JT Comfer again he didn't outright say this but Megan kind of what I took away from that was I, I think Byram's going to be the first domino to fall see where that money lands and then we'll kind of go from there again just very non-committal to 
any part of, you know, what we're going to do internally. But to your point, no matter what they do with their own guys inside, there is still at least one glaring hole at the top of the lineup at that 2C position. Um, were you able to... I, I really wasn't. Were you able to glean anything yesterday from what he was saying about how they might want to go about doing that? Trades, free agent, anything? Like I said, I, I didn't really pick up anything on this part of the conversation. No, certainly not. Like I, My guess was one of the questions I wanted to ask is if that first round pick is safe or mm -hmm. something. And honestly, in saying, him saying, we'll exhaust all options, I don't think it is. I uh, think yeah, that's I what he's saying mm -hmm. without saying it. And then looking at the UFAs, and I loved how he just brought up the CBA and gave almost just this very <laughs> textbook definition of what the CBA is. Like, And this is what free agency is, folks. Like, they're allowed <laughs> to test it. And I figured to myself, of course that's what it is. But I think in talking about the um, end of the year interviews, it says to me that there is probably at least one, probably could be more, UFA that they are hoping to bring back on, if it makes yeah. sense. And I'm guessing it'll be someone like Evan Rodriguez if the money is I right. Agree. But that is sort of where, what I'm gleaning from that part of it with the UFA specifically, like where they're looking internally. Okay, Bo Byram, that absolutely feels like a guarantee. New Hook, not so far behind in that conversation mm -hmm. too, though different from Byram's. And then beyond that, one UFA maybe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll see what ends up happening there. Again, not really a ton of clarity. The part where we did get, I think, maybe the most clarity of anything uh, from Chris McFarlane was when we talked about injuries. This was something that Jared Bednar had told us after Game 7. Yes, we will get you guys kind of a list of who was injured, <laughs> who wasn't. Uh, we had reached out on some of that stuff, and you know, I was actually eventually told yesterday morning uh, Chris McFarlane will have those updates for you this afternoon. Uh, so let's just kind of run through it here. Uh, do we have a graphic for this? Okay. Uh, so there you go. That is everything from um, end of playoffs to today uh, that we were made aware of yesterday. Uh, everybody that you're seeing on that list, with the exception of Andrew Cogliano, as of now, now that Gabe Landeskog has gone back under the knife this morning, Everyone with the exception of Andrew Cogliano that you're seeing on your screen, that's Landis Gog, Fransos, Lekkonen, Manson, have all had procedures since the abs were eliminated by the Seattle Kraken. Uh, the one thing that is missing from the graphic is Arturi Lekkonen had a broken finger and a broken toe. Okay, so I wasn't clear on if he was talking about the previous broken finger injury that he had in the regular season that he came back from. Um, or if there was an additional the, broken the way finger. that I took that was there was either an additional broken finger or the finger wasn't fully healed by the time he came back. Okay, that he was it was still bothering him. Okay, that he was dealing with both the finger and the toe uh, at the same time. That's my bad. I left it off because no, no. I was like, that's an injury we knew about. Well, but it, it really just kind of there was a comment that came through earlier that was like the season's over, but the Gabe Landeskog news is just an extension of all of this. Right. To me, it's the same thing with the Lycan and the, the, we're not we don't know how many bones he had broken. Right, like because. This is probably a much longer list if it's like existing injuries. Right, right, exactly. Uh, Josh Manson right there. Again, all we got was he had a procedure. It was implied that it was the same injury that he was dealing with all year. Josh Manson described this as the most frustrating and difficult season of his career because of the injuries he was dealing with. Um, sounds like he had to go back on the knife. The knife for that, Pavel Francois, an ab abductor uh, procedure done. Uh just a, a rotten year for for Pablo Fransos. Couldn't stay healthy. It was something different every time. I always I've always felt like Fransos has gotten a harder rep for 
the injury stuff than he really deserved because he just and he actually had had just two that happened to be back to back. One came in the shortened season that made him miss that whole thing. This was a year where a lot of those people felt very validated. He was in and out of the lineup constantly. Um, was fine when he was in one more year on that deal. I don't imagine the Avs do anything with that. I think they'll let it ride for next year. And then we'll kind of go from there. You feel for Pablo Francois, uh, one of, if not my favorite guy in the room. And then again, it is crazy because Megan, you run through this entire list and the one guy who doesn't need surgery is probably the one who you would say you felt, felt like had the most significant injury. That is Andrew Cogliano, uh, fractured neck, uh, believe it was his C5. I just did this yesterday, his C5. Um, six to eight weeks, Chris McFarland said, no procedure needed. Did that surprise you as much as it did me? Yeah, I, <laughs> absolutely. I, I'm not sure what to make of that. There were some things that, like the Lekkonen, I'm like, am I hearing this correctly? That yeah. is one that I'm a little unsure on the specifics of, but I hope that... I'm understanding that correctly to be 68 yeah. weeks. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on Cogliano with an injury of this kind at his stage in his career? Do you think he tries to come back next year? Or do you think that this is a, let's talk about this again in eight weeks? It feels like let's talk about it in, again in eight weeks, but because of who Andrew Cogliano is as a player, how well he takes care of himself, I'm not counting him out. For playing hockey again mm -hmm. because of who he is specifically everything else about this situation though would point to maybe this being the end um but there's just something about him you don't want to write off because of who he is <laughs> totally and and <sighs> i feel like we jinxed him a little bit megan at first too we felt kind of validated like nope he got he got <laughs> down a couple times but got right back up and then it just got too bad and we, we perhaps did. I, I, I talked to a player. Uh, I'm not going to say who. Um, I think it was, yeah, it was, it was the morning of game seven. And I talked to him about Andrew Cogliano. And I, I mean, they just said like, they didn't use the word inspiration, but I mean, it, it is that thing that, that you hear hockey players in particular talk about a lot of like, when that dude doesn't stay down, like, that motivates you like that lights a fire in you to see the beating that that guy's taken. And this, the player told me like, it's like that guy's made a lot of trips down the tunnel this season and he's come back almost every time There's been practices where he's gone Seriously, down really hard, really hard and had to leave the ice and will come back to finish practice. Um, you know, just like th this guy's a lunatic, you know, like you know, in the best, best possible way. Um, and, and, and you know, we were kind of having the conversation of like the fact that he came back is crazy one and two, the fact that, you know, <laughs> turned into what it is. And, you know, I, I actually saw Cogliano the morning of game seven and I had just a very quick exchange with him and he had to do the, Oh, you know, I'm doing all right. You know, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, just tough as nails. Uh, and, and overall just a great individual, Megan. He, he was absolutely one of the guys uh, this year, our first year being back in the room um, since COVID, I, I really did uh, in, enjoy getting to know him a bit. Always willing to talk, always had great insight, um, and really just hope, w wish him nothing but the best. Oh, absolutely. 
retweet everything you just said. He's yeah. a terrific human being, <laughs> such a great cultural fit. His leadership presence was so important this year in the absence of Landeskog. He was an important voice in that room. I can't say enough positive things about him. Yeah, no, I, and, and I really do. If if he does decide he can come back and he wants to give it a go, I would have to imagine that there would be mutual interest between him and the Avs, the Avs and him. It seems to be a relationship that's you know really kind of thrived. Um, if he's back next year, um, like I said, I, I, I would love to see him back with the Avs just because I think he's a great heart and soul guy that, that contributes in positive ways on the ice. Um, all right, let's get into the part of this that really kind of, uh, I'm sure a lot of people are, are waiting. We've been waiting to talk about now for, for weeks. Um, should we just start with the couple clips that we have from Chris yeah, McFarland? It's only like five minutes total, just yeah. shy of it. And we can run them back to back. Yeah. So let's just go ahead and, and run through both of those. And Megan, you and I will kind of unpack, uh, what CMAC has to say. Perfect. Yeah, that works. I'll answer the second part first. It'll it it'll just be consistent with what the messaging has been. We can't comment on 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 Val's situation at this time. As as far as as part one uh, goes, I I think the best way to put it is it it creates another wrinkle. Uh, we're we're still tight on cap space. I think anytime you're you're talking about these situations, there's multiple layers that you have to look at it through. Who can you get? What assets do you have to move that might be deemed attractive to the other team? So uh, there's there's a lot of different um, you know things that we have to decipher and, and analyze here, and and that starts now. That starts with our, our scouting meetings, talking with Bedsy and, and Joe and the staff, and and then attacking it, you know, into the off season and and seeing you know what what we can what's available and if are there any matches, whether that's a trade or in free free agency is there an AAV and term match that makes sense for the you know the short and long term of our group because you know I think for us we have a we have a great core uh we have a young core so we we think you know we have a very good uh team here for the foreseeable future and and we'll try and you know maximize that you know both short and long term so um hopefully that answers your question Evan Rawl Colorado Hockey Now Hey Chris, uh, obviously the Eagles went on a pretty good playoff run as well. I just want to know, is there anybody that, you know, with cap space being tight that you guys feel you have players down there that might be able to come in and, you know, fill a role on the roster next year to kind of make things a little easier? Well, we're certainly going to have, you know, opportunities for guys to, you know, to make a dent and and prove to our coaches and our, you know, our, our group here that, that they can, that they can make our, make our lineup. So, you know, whether it's, you're talking about a guy like Ben Myers or Eustace Ananen or, you know, some of the college guys that we signed late in, you know, late in uh, the previous spring here, Jason Poland, Andre Pavel, Sam Malinsky, you know, those, those guys were all, you know, signed because we have, we have NHL hopes for them. Now, Hopes and and doing it are are two different things, as as you guys all know. And and you know we we were able to find a, a Logan O'Connor who you know was a free agent and 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 he's he carved a role and earned trust and uh, became a member of our you know our bottom six. And you know we're we need those guys. We need we need somebody to grab the wheel and and run with it. So they're going to have every opportunity to have a a big off season. You know that's in there sort of that's a controllable for them, how, how hard they work and the, the improvements they can make in key areas and then, and then come and try and grab a spot, you know, in, in training camp. So, but that work starts here now, they, 
the Eagles did have a really good year. You know, our injuries certainly affected them. And then they had, you know, some of their own injuries. But, you know, Greg Cronin and his staff and, you know, our players down there did a did a heck of a job, you know, uh, getting a playoff spot. And, and um, you know, they're disappointed today because they felt, you know, that they could have advanced too. So, um, but no, all in all, a very, very good year with some positives. But, you know, we'll we'll need some of those guys to take a step. But, you know, they have to earn that. Uh, Bennett, I can't comment on anything Val related other than to say he he was a very important part of our team in the past, and we hope you know that's our that's our hope that he's going to be a very important part of our team in the future for sure. Okay, okay, and then secondly, you you guys have a bunch of guys who are you know going into uh, unrestricted free agency this off season from Confer Rodriguez, Eric Johnson, Cogliano, a, a bunch of these guys. I guess how do you sort of balance? navigating the current guys who are going to free agency and considering re-signing certain players versus, you know, looking at new options and sort of building from guys who are not on the current roster? Yeah, that's a, that's a fair question. I think, you know, part of the CBA is unrestricted free agency. And when, when players are, you know, entering that year, uh, that's a right that they have is to test the market. I think, you know, we have, you know, like we do every year, we have off season meetings and, um, you know, part of that is, is the puzzle piece, puzzle piecing of our roster with our, our pro staff and Joe and, and the coaches certainly, uh, you know, between now and, and the draft, we'll have those internal discussions and, and see if, you know, any of the current UFAs will, will certainly cycle with, with some of them and, and see if there's a contractual fit and, and away we go. And, and if not, if there's not, then we have, then we know what we have, um, in terms of cap dollars as we approach the draft and, and free agency to, to see who can make a fit. So uh, that work has started and, and will continue to be a key focus here over the next, you know, between now and the draft and certainly the bulk of the summer. So there was a lot there, more than just the Val Natushkin stuff, but we wanted to just kind of play all of it because we thought it was all relevant, interesting. Uh, but what we are talking about here is, uh, you know, the couple comments that he made and it may have even come up a couple more times than, than what was played. No comment. He and 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 what I thought was interesting, Megan, it wasn't just uh, no comment. It was I can't comment. And the clip that played there, uh, you know, where he was answering Bennett, where you heard him maybe even get a little bit more firm, where he said, "Bennett, I cannot comment on this." It was because he he had said that already a couple times. Um, Megan, to me, that was maybe the most significant, most revealing. Um, soundbite that we've gotten relative to this cannot comment on it seems to go a step beyond what we've heard before of we're not going to talk about it it's personal reasons uh, do you feel the same way or do you still kind of just feel like it's just we're not we don't really have any publicly confirmed information no, I, I think the organization has the information they need. I think the can't versus won't is an important detail. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't think it's like, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> there's so much more to say about this yeah. beyond that. So, well, it's so here, here's been the problem with this, this situation. And Megan, like just being candid, like we've had some, not you and I, but like as, as a group, as a company, like, We've had some, you know, kind of passionate conversations about 
what to do with this situation because there's a lot of th th there's so many moving parts as there's so much muddy water publicly there's a lot of things that i think you and i and other you know uh, people in the media we've heard there's things we've been told there's things you know hey this is what's happening this this isn't what's happening oh i can tell you it's not this i can tell you it is this. I can... but nobody knows for certain with the exception of, I think you're right, the organization. The organization has a pretty good idea of what's going on. And the part that I talked about on my Instagram yesterday was, I really do think people need to start focusing on what's not being said. There's a lot of things they've ruled out it isn't, that they've said, no, it's not that. It's not that. We're not talking about this. He wasn't involved in the legal process. You know, it's not a, you know, it's not a criminal investigation we were told recently. No be clear on that too because understandably there's a reason avs pr and avs media exist separately from each yep. other it's been confirmed through seattle pd as well that there isn't an ongoing investigation so if you are cautious of just taking the word of the organization mm -hmm. that this isn't linked to an illegal investigation this is also what seattle pd is saying yeah. i just want to make that distinction you're saying that seattle pd is saying there is not an ongoing investigation exactly. okay because I, just to, yeah. I have called a couple times and the first time i called they couldn't say for certain the second time i called they said this is not linked to an ongoing investigation and and so that is where it's, it's a, that's a great you know bit of reporting there megan and like that's where I, i've been encouraging people to take that route listen to what is not being said and I think the fact that, you know, you're, you're saying Seattle PD is saying there's not a criminal investigation here and the ABS are saying that they cannot comment. To me, Megan, this is all starting to point down, like like the number of roads that, that this direction is heading, like it's getting fewer and fewer. And, and in my opinion, we're, we're really starting to know this down. I took can't comment to mean something. That's not, oh, we're doing this. Like, you know, people have been burying the ABS organization and... and some of it, I, I get they've earned this reputation of being unnecessarily tight-lipped and getting cute with the information. So, so I get it. I get why people have piled on. This is one instance, genuinely. I don't think they're doing that. Like, I think they, they are aware. They're watching. They're, you and I know we laugh all the time. They're all over social media. They're in every article. They have an entire, and this isn't just the abs. This is a lot of, of pro-organizations. They have an entire department that's just dedicated to consuming that kind of stuff. I shouldn't say just dedicated. I'm, those people work very hard, I'm sure. But like, you know, they, they go through articles. They read stuff. They listen. They watch. They, you know, they consume content. They want to know what's going on out there. They want to know what the narrative is. There's no way that they would just be watching this and saying like, ah, we don't care. We, we have all the information. We could put all of this out. We're just choosing not to because we like to be quiet. They know that this will have to come to a head eventually. If Val Nachushkin is just at day one of training camp next year, they're crazy if they think they're going to be able to skirt this. Like, that's not, I genuinely don't think that's what they're trying to do. Cannot comment, I really thought carried a lot of weight yesterday, in addition to everything else that we know it isn't. And as you are now, you know, saying, Seattle PD is confirming it's not a legal matter. Because there are layers to it. Like, this isn't so many an layers. incident that people are latching onto that only does or does not involve Val Nachushkin. And I think right. that's what makes it complicated is there are more parties involved here. That raises a lot of concerns. It raises sure. a lot yep. of questions. But 
part of the layers. There are yeah. more lenses to view this from than just the concern for Val Natushkin. All of the criticism and concern, I think, is coming from a valid place, all different directions. Like, mm -hmm. I think the criticism of the Avs being tight-lipped isn't even personal to the Avs. It's sort of pointed at the league as a whole because of their reputation in how they've handled things like this in the past. Yeah. I think that's fair. But there are also layers to this. There are pieces that are not known to the public-facing side of this that make this really complicated to navigate. I just want to impress upon people that I don't think anyone is completely giving up. So like you said, come training camp, there are going to be people who are still interested in this. This isn't yeah. the abs getting off easy. They're never no, going to answer no. any questions ever again. I think the questions are going to continue to be asked. They're certainly being asked behind the scenes in a lot of different ways, too, to confirm things. I think yep. that's what is happening a lot behind the scenes, too, that people may not be privy to. Understandably, there are layers, layers that are very private and fair questions. Like, that's what has made this really difficult to talk about. I almost... Yep. Well, so sound it's, exhausted so, well, no, or frustrated, it's, but, but it's, it's like, you almost have to have the conversation, like in the way that you're doing it, where it's like, you have to stop and think about every sentence, uh, because th th there's just so many moving pieces. I, I don't want to punt on this conversation altogether, but I just, right. I just glanced out of the time and, and, uh, you know, we got to make sure that we're still moving, but I, I, I want to round out this conversation here in just a second, because I do think. I think it's a tough conversation and, and actually here I, I am going to wrap the, the valentine stuff. We can maybe talk about it more on Monday again. Here's, here's the last thing that I'll kind of say on it. <clears throat> if the, if, if people in the public think that nobody's working this story, that nobody's trying to figure out what's going on, I can just tell you within Colorado and way beyond Colorado, you're wrong. Like there's a lot of people digging into this and a lot of people, because like you said, there are so many layers and things like that. We're trying to figure out, what exactly is going on. And I think it's, I think it's interesting that I don't think many people have really picked up on the fact that a lot of people have gotten a few steps down the road of like the, wow, this is what I'm hearing. And then stuff kind of stops coming out. I think it's safe to assume there's a reason that you get to a certain point and people are saying, I'm just not comfortable touching this. And so last kind of bit to chew on there. Frank Saravelli put out a report almost immediately with some big claims. We haven't heard anything from Frank Saravelli since. Uh, let's kind of move on here. Uh, we do want to remind you guys, we're brought to you guys by our uh, great friends over at Pins and Aces. I actually, I was going to wear uh, one of my new button-ups today, but it was just a little too chilly and windy. Uh, so I'll have that busted out here as we uh, start getting a little bit nicer. Pins and Aces is the official golf apparel partner of All City and DNVR. Uh, we all got our pins and aces gear over the last couple of weeks. It's great. It's super comfortable. Uh, I got a real nice, uh, like button up floral button up nice and stretchy, uh, family owned, uh, golf and apparel business based right here in Colorado. That's our favorite part for sure. Uh, polos, hats, golf bags, uh, an amazing beer sleeve, an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right in your golf bag and keep cold uh the drinks cold the entire round check out pinsandaces.com and use the code dnvr to receive 15 percent off your first order and get free shipping again that's uh pinsandaces.com uh use the code dnvr and you're gonna get 15 percent off uh your first order what did you get from pins and aces i got a hat and a 
a t-shirt hat and a t-shirt there a you caddyshack go. inspired t-shirt Ooh, love excited. it excited i love it yeah uh also brought to you guys by shady rays uh use a promo code dnvr uh for a 50 percent off deal uh look shady rays i've always been frustrated my entire life i worked in the sunglass industry actually for a while uh or in the eyewear industry i should say i was always frustrated because it felt like qual like something that wasn't just going to fall apart and looked nice sunglasses are just like crazy expensive not the case with shady rays they have found a way to bring uh high quality good looking style at a price that's not absolutely ridiculous like you want to take care of your eyes right your eyes are very important people don't know your eyes can get sunburned if you're not using the right lenses things like that uh so uh i, I love that shady rays has found a way to do what they're doing and i love even more that they're a partner of ours um you can shop the entire collection online, or if you are here uh, locally, they do have a brick and mortar in the Park Meadows Mall, real near my house. I've been in a couple times. Great folks. Uh, everyone that works there that I've met, big sports fans. They know DNVR. Uh, they watch. They consume all the content, all of that good stuff. Um, but again, for our listeners, uh, Shady Rays is giving out really a pretty crazy deal. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use the code DNVR. You're going to get half off of two pairs of polarized sunglasses uh to try for yourself these are uh shades have been rated five stars by over two hundred fifty thousand people again shadyrays.com use the code dnvr you're gonna get 50 percent off two pairs of polarized sunglasses uh megan we are up against it here this is my fault i've kind of run us a little bit long uh jesse montano megan angley real quick just kind of i want to get your thoughts florida panthers toronto maple leafs florida panthers uh sam reinhardt Scores a goal in overtime, puts the Panthers on the verge of sweeping the Toronto Maple Leafs. I said it in our series prediction video that I, I felt bad for Florida because I felt like a team that would normally get a big emotional boost has me running up against another team coming off their own big emotional boost. I may have had those reversed. Just kind of your thoughts, the way that Florida has controlled this series. It's expertly is what they've done. It's yeah. And we kind of talked about it on the pod the other day, but... I don't think Toronto has run into problems because the wheels fell completely off. I think that if Samsonov isn't available for game four, which I think might be true. Yeah, yeah it's, it's wool uh, going tonight. That's a problem. Yeah, that's tough. Um, he, I, looked, he looked rough the other night. He, he, he looked like he was battling. Absolutely. And coming in a little bit cold maybe is tough. Totally, so totally. We'll, we'll see. Like I, I do feel Toronto has a win in this series in them before they're fully mm. out, but Florida is the expert team. They've played like it. They've been able to control games from a variety of points. Like, no, regardless of their first period, they can take a second period and close out games very well. They're also getting contribu contributions from a lot of different areas in their lineup beyond just Makachuk. That mm -hmm. there's a lot of things going well for Florida right now. Um, that that they're doing very well, also. So, just a, I was thinking about this. Like, with respect to Toronto, they slay their first round demon. The heartbreak of whatever this season yields will remind me a lot of the heartbreak from the Vegas series for the Avs because of how well-constructed that team was yeah. um, and how well-constructed yeah. this Toronto team is. And I and the fact that the, 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 it's, it's a tough go, um, but Florida, Florida's for real. Well, and, and it's, it's, it's so funny that you use that phrase right there, Megan, because it's something that I've brought up both on the show and just you and I chatting like, I think we maybe forgot that this was last year's President's Trophy winner. Like, they had a rough season. There was a lot of changes internally. But, like, this is a team that people had 
legitimate cup expectations for just a season ago. And so maybe we shouldn't all be as shocked as we are, but like it's been shocking. They got swept in their second round. They know mm-hmm. what that feels like. They probably saw some things on the opposite side of that to take away and carry into this series. They're a, they're an experienced team playing fast, pay, playing free, playing loose, no pressure, no expectations, small market. There's not even like, you know, a, 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 a FLDA show that's like putting the pressure on them to win. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, like they're just having fun. They're playing loose. And what's scary about them is they're doing that with guys like Barkov, Kachuk, at the top of their lineup. Brandon Montour has found another level. Sam Bennett is playing at a great level. Like you look at what Seattle's doing. I think the Kraken have a little bit of that right now where they're just like, we've got house money. Like we don't care. We're just showing up and playing hockey, but they don't necessarily have the high-end talent that a Florida does. Florida's a dangerous team right now. Like if I'm the Carolina Hurricanes, I'm up three to one. That series with New Jersey is just weird. Terrible. It's terrible. It's just, it's been four blowouts and we're at a three to one Carolina advantage. It's, 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 it's been horrible. Um, all right. We're pretty much all, do we have time to run the landy? Oh, okay, cool. Okay, perfect. Uh, any final thoughts, Megan, on playoffs, anything like that? I, I wanted to talk about Seattle a little bit because I think they've been fun, but... They have been fun. We'll uh, have a lot of time. Yes, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get into a lot more of this on Monday when we have more clarity on where these uh, series are at. So no, no, nothing you want to just throw no, in real let's quick? let's hear from the captain. Okay, yeah, we're going to... Oh, yeah, we do have one super chat, and then we're going to finish out the show uh, with a nice chunk from Gabe Landis' availability yesterday. Just so we can kind of see him, hear from him, all that stuff. Uh, $5 from our one of our favorites, Va- Vaguely Sober. Which of the Eagles might make the jump this season? There's a lot open in the bottom six. There's a lot of open bottom six spots. I completely It's such that. a cop-out answer. Ben Myers is who I'm imagining there. And... You know one for me that doesn't have a contract that I'm really curious about? Who? Galchenyuk. Okay, so that's actually where I'm at with Galchenyuk is I see a lot of incentive for both parties to re-sign here in Colorado. Yep. Even if the expectation is this kind of fringe AHL, NHL role, I think he's enjoyed Colorado. I think they've enjoyed him. I think yeah. they've enjoyed what he's put in here. That that opportunity would have to be earned, but it wouldn't be outside of the realm of possibility in my eyes. Um, that That's a guy that if they give him another one-year deal with everything that he put in this season, I would expect for him to, at bare minimum, push pretty hard for a roster spot out of camp. And it's because of where he started this year, totally. honestly, that I, I think they had that consideration for him. As But beyond the foodie conversation, because he only got in nine games, then he got hurt, dealt with some injury. I think he gets in more games. I just don't think he's pushing for a regular spot just yet. Yeah, Definitely think they're going to give him a lot of looks, though. You and I talked about Sam Malinsky on Monday. Uh, Sam Malinsky, I, I, I'm not going to say he's even a roster, an NHL roster contender, like out of camp, like not even close. If things trend the way that they did with his limited time with the Eagles this year, that's a guy, if injuries and all that stuff break the wrong way, I guess, 
I can maybe see a game for him at the end of the season. I definitely wouldn't think it's impossible for him to make an NHL debut and get in some games. Similar to what I'm imagining for Foodie is wanting to see the fit as necessary, like within reason, right? You don't want to just needlessly put a Malinsky or a Foodie in, but I think they're going to want to see, especially in the preseason games, how these two look. And I think that's going to earn, depending on how those go for Malinsky, some NHL games in the regular season. That's just my guess, but I'm not really penciling him in as a full-time long way to go till we get there but he's a keep your eye on kind of definitely all right i think that'll do it uh for us we're gonna wrap today's show uh with yeah some words from gabe landeskog's availability yesterday got a nice chunk uh of that for you guys here uh jesse montano megan angley we got tiff running the board making sure you guys can see us and hear us uh so thank you guys so much for listening let's hear from gabe what did kyle yeah it's a it's a little too early to tell, to be honest with you, on the on the timetable. Obviously, we're expected and to miss the regular season next year, and and that is just something that that I've come to terms with and and uh, accepted. And and uh, but it's for me, it's about taking it one step at a time. And and uh, and now I'm not so focused on that. I'm focused on getting through with the surgery tomorrow morning, and and then really taking it one day at a time, uh, making sure that we do things right, and making sure that. Um, that everything is optimized throughout the rehab process so that I, I can't come back and play. Uh, and I'm confident everybody I've talked to and, and the medical experts that I've consulted with have, uh, have shared that faith with me as well. So um, feel good about it. The rehab process will be mostly out of Denver. Um, you know, I put together a, a team that I feel very confident with and, and I'm looking forward to get going. And um, yeah, I'm excited. Kyle Fredrickson, the Gazette. Hey, Gabe, through this process of figuring out what's next and just knowing how challenging this road has been for you, at any point, did you consider retirement? And just could you just bring us through what your desire is to play and, and, and what really motivates you to come back right now? I have not contemplated retirement uh, at all, to be honest with you. Uh, it's just been a matter of finding the best way, best path forward for me, um, and figuring out, uh, you know, identifying the problem and then figure out a solution. Really. That's, that's how you approach everything in life, I think. And, and this is no different, uh, until I've exhausted every option, then, then, uh, you know, I'm just going to keep pushing forward. So I'm excited about it. Like I said, I'm confident about it. Um, is it going to be a long road? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, motivating factors are are plenty uh obviously the last time I was on on the ice in a game time situation you know it was game six and down in Tampa Bay and and we were the winners of the last game of of the season so that's a um you know that's enough motivation in it in and of it itself and I think watching our team this year has been very motivating and uh you know there's been been so many times where I just wish I could strap you know tie up the skates and go out there and and play with them but um you know I know that time will come uh I just have to do what's what's right for my health and really ultimately do what I can to so I'm able to go out there and play with the guys um and continue to chasing chasing more stay in the cups and and uh, I just feel like we have we as a team have something really exciting going and and we have a really you know, excited fan base for, for all the right reasons. And, and, 
that's why I feel like I, I think this is the right, right opportunity for me to make sure that I'm healthy and I can come back and play. So, um, yeah, I'm very excited about it. Pat Graham, Associated Press. Hey, Gabe, thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Um, kind of a two-parter here. Have you got any sort of like success rate from the doctors and how, how often this is successful? And is this kind of like a radical surgery, like maybe like a Jack Eichel type back surgery type surgery? Well, success rate, I think, is above 85%. Uh, but the problem, I shouldn't say the problem, but it, it, it's an uncommon, I guess it's an uncommon procedure for, for elite athletes. It's in the hockey players even more so, but basketball players have, have done done them. And I've actually spoken to Alonzo Ball that just had the same procedure done if, you know, a couple of months ago, probably at this point. So um, been able to talk a little bit with him and, you know, he's had a similar last 14 months than that I have with a couple minor procedures and things like that. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm confident it's, it's an injury that's, that's hard to rehab. It's an injury that's hard to sort of once the, the injury is done and, and there's enough damage in there, it's sort of hard to, to patch the holes uh, without going through this procedure at this time with the symptoms that I have and, and with what I'm experiencing. So I'm confident with it. Um, and, um, yeah, I, sorry, Pat, but I think I forgot the second part of your question. <laughs> Just is it, is it radical? Is it kind of like a Jack Eichel type surgery? Back surgery or is that? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a subjective opinion. I, I don't think so. I don't see it that way. I've, I've done a lot of research on it. Um, I've read numerous studies on it, um, the rehab on it, um, uh, in my mind, it's not a radical surgery, so I would say no. Jesse Montano, DNVR. Hey, Gabe. Um, well, I was going to ask what your confidence level was of you coming back, but you've kind of answered that here over the last couple of questions that, that you were feeling good. I guess just how hard has this been for you, you know, to, to make this decision and, and after missing last season to, to come to the conclusion that you're going to sit out next year? Just how hard has this whole process been, the decision making for you? Yeah, I think, you know, it goes up and down and, and there are times where where it's harder than than others. But I think once, you know, the press conference for me was a big weight off my shoulders and, and it allowed me to, uh, you know, to sort of dive into the research on this and, and talk to experts and doctors and, and get opinions. Um, you know, it's all about just making sure that you're putting yourself in a frame of mind that that allows you to focus on something and and for me, it hasn't been focusing on missing out on the season or missing next season. It's going to be about, you know, my rehab and my journey and getting better at making those small incremental gains and, in, you know, uh, you know, in the training room, but also in the weight room when that comes time and eventually I'll get on the ice. And then it's about making those those small steps forward and, and you really have to break it down. Uh, if I'm, you know, coming out of surgery tomorrow thinking about, returning on the ice whenever that will be uh, you know that's that's a big gap to fill in there so you have to really break it down incrementally and, and take it one step one step at a time I've said it for years but that's the only way to do it um, and I think for me uh, the hard times have been made a lot easier by the people I've surrounded myself and my family and my friends and my teammates and uh, you know the staff in the organization, support overall that I've received over the last year or, you know, last 10 months or whatever it's been. And, and, uh, 
uh, and continue continue to get has been overwhelming at times and uh, but something that you know means a lot to me and has really helped me out throughout this this whole process and being around the team in the last two months and three months has been been huge for for myself and and feel like you're part of that team and and uh, uh, it really has been great and that support is something I'm going to continue leading on over the next year or so and and uh, yeah we'll just keep keep making the steps and keep making progress and I'm confident that I'm going to get there.